It's a lot of things that happen in life. Sometimes things that you don't even think about. And I know when my dad fell and broke his hip on his 89th birthday, their, our world kind of turned upside down. There were a lot of things that we should have done before uh, that happened, but we didn't know. We didn't know that he was going to break his hip. We didn't know that he wasn't going to recover from that surgery and that his mind would not be the same. There were some discussions that my brother and myself should have had with my dad before this took place. And so the information that you're going to get today will be beneficial in planning out your estate and planning for those things that, uh, that just happen in life that you don't have any control over. Well, we are in a series, a four-part series, of, of living on the 90. And so today we'll talk about part number two. If you'll remember last week, I shared the, the first principle of living on the 90, and that was that we need to get control. We need to get control of our finances. And that was the first principle. And getting control of our finances starts with living on less than what we make. Living on less than what we make. Oftentimes, we spend more than what we make. E. Uh, Stanley Jones, an old Methodist evangelist, tells a story about a poor man who had an overnight guest. And as he showed him to his humble bedroom, and it was in a hayloft, he said, if there is anything that you want, if there's anything that you need, let us know, and we'll come and show you how to get along without it. Folks, part of getting control is learning how to live without things. You know, all of us, I'm sure, have things that uh, we just could do without, but it's our stuff, and we'll talk a little bit about that in just a few moments. But getting control, you may have to make some decisions, some tough decisions about your stuff, about your money, about your possessions. And today, I hope that, uh, that as you leave here in just a little while, that, that you'll see that uh, we need to get control. We need to apply these biblical principles to our lives. Last week, I gave you two truths from God's Word that will unlock the windows of heaven and God will pour out the blessings upon your life and that you will experience the favor of God. The first principle or the first truth that I talked about was that God is sovereign. God is sovereign and He owns everything and He owns everything that we have. God is sovereign. The second principle that I talked about, or the second truth, was that not only is he sovereign, but everything that we have comes from him. God has blessed us with everything that we have. Today, I want to talk about the second principle of living on the 90. You know, if you're having trouble with the first principle of getting control of your finances, the second principle may be difficult. You know, if you're living, as we talked about, the average American is spending 127% of their income, or you could think of it this way, 
that we spend a dollar twenty for every dollar that we earn. This second principle may be a difficult thing for you to do, but it's not impossible. You know, the Bible tells us that all things are possible through God who gives us strength. So don't get discouraged if if you're gonna have if you're having a hard time applying this second uh, principle. But you may need to make some tough decisions between you and your family uh, in order for this to take place. The second principle for living on the other 90 is this, that we need to save some. And you know, there is a difference between saving some, and I want to go heavy on the some, there's a difference between saving some and hoarding. Uh, you know, I've been in homes of people and uh, family members that, uh, like my dad, grew up in the Depression years. And so everything that he has, I mean, there's value to it. There may not be any value to other people, but to him, it's important. Whether it's a little bitty scrap piece of metal or, or whatever it might be, it has value to him. But there's a difference between saving some and hoarding And we'll look at those principles today. We don't need to learn how to get more, but we need to learn how to get along with what we have and the business of living, living that life that God has for us. What kind of life does God want you to live? He wants you to live a life of contentment and peace. And oftentimes as we're living life, it's just the opposite. We're living a life of discontentment. There are many uncertainties in life. There are many certainties that's going to happen. And for example, the economy is going to go up and down. There's no doubt about that. Some of you in here this morning can remember back to to October the 29th of 1929. What happened? There was a big crash in the stock market. Many people lost a lot, of, a lot of their stuff, a lot of their, their money. What happened in 2008, just recently? We had a big, the same thing, Jim, exactly right. There was a big crash in the market. So our market, the economy is going to go up and it's going to go down from time to time. Our health could change in a, in a matter of seconds. I mean, you may be here doing well this morning and you walk out and, and something happened to you. Forbid that, that happening, but life, our health can change within a matter of seconds. For me, not long ago, it was riding a four-wheeler and we were getting ready to go to Disneyland and I kept saying to my family, no broken bones, no broken bones while we're riding this four-wheeler. And what happened? I was the first one on the four-wheeler and hit a pipe and, and broke my wrist in two places. Life can change in just a matter of seconds. What about the natural disasters that we're seeing all across the world in which we live? The hurricanes, the tornadoes, the earthquakes that's taking place. Uh, many of our folks in Houston and, and uh, uh, Florida and, and other parts of the world, they have lost everything in just a matter of moments. It is heartbreaking to see the destruction, the devastation 
that's gone on in the world in which we live. Cars are going to break down. Uh, wheels, or tires are going to have to be replaced. I had a guy come in a couple of weeks ago and he needed some assistance and he said, Dale, I bought this car and I didn't realize that I was going to have to buy new tires for it eventually. And I thought, really? You know, uh, that's just one of those things. Vehicles are going to break down. You're going to have to replace those tires. I've heard people say this phrase, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't speak it because it's going to happen. Folks, let me just tell you, you can say that all that you want, but it's going to happen. You're going to have to replace those tires. What about appliances? You know, I think about the appliances that are in our homes. You know, they're going to break down. They're going to go out. And you know what? It seems like that it's right after what? The warranty has gone out. That's the way it is in our home. Right after the warranty, I'll call the store and I'll say, my whatever it is, the refrigerator or if it's the dishwasher, has gone out. Is it still under warranty? Well, Mr. Moreland, your warranty expired last month. You know, and I'm wondering, do they put something in those computers, on those appliances, that it goes out at a certain time? The list, you could add to the list. The list could go on and on and on. But Money Magazine says that 78% of us will have something that will happen that will affect us negatively financially within the next 10 years. And you think about your own life. Man, it seems like you just get something paid off and then you're right back into debt. We just nearly had all of the medical bills paid off and then I break my wrist. 78% of us is going to have something that will affect us in our finances negatively. I want to share with you five principles or five habits that will help you to deal with the unexpected, the uncertainties that happen in life. Number one is spend less than you earn. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It's easy to say, but it's, it's hard to do. Spend less than what you earn. Avoid debt. And number three, follow the biblical principles of giving generously of your time and your talents, your energies, your resources. Follow the biblical principles of giving generously and save for the unexpected, number four. And number five is to set some goals. Last week, I talked about spending less than you earn. I talked a little bit about avoiding debt. You know, we need to cut up those credit cards that get us in trouble. And then I talked a little bit about giving generously. And uh, some of our members came up and they said, Dale, you didn't say the T word. You kept saying give generously. The T word is tithe, if you didn't know. And I know that, uh, you know, when you're talking about money and giving and everything like that, people kind of get on edge just a little bit. So there you have it. I said the T word, a tithe. And then we talked about serving, you know, uh, using those gifts and those talents, those abilities 
that God has given to you. Today I want to talk about the unexpected and what the Bible has to say about that. Managing the money that God gives us requires a lifetime of decisions and actions. It's a lifetime. It's not something that you just do on a periodic basis, but it's a lifetime of making those decisions, and you need to be prepared when those things come up. And hopefully you'll make some wise decisions based upon what the Bible has to say. And throughout the Bible, we see the importance of putting aside for the future. First of all, we see that King Solomon who was a man of great wisdom and knowledge. He used an ant as an analogy for saving for the future. Look in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Turn your, in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. It says, Take a lesson from the ant. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler uh, to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Even the ant knows that there will be no food in the winter if they don't gather in the summer. I don't know about you, but if you have looked at an, an ant uh, bed, you will see all of these ants carrying things on their backs and uh, however they carry them. I don't know if they carry it on their backs. I don't stick around long enough because I know what ants can do to you. They can hurt you. That little bitty ant can bring a lot of pain. But you'll look at that ant bed and you'll see them carrying all of this stuff. They're preparing for the future. If you look in Genesis chapter 41, verses 25 through 57, we see that Joseph, he devised a plan for when there would be that great famine that would take place in Egypt. Joseph was thinking ahead of time. He knew that there would be those things that would happen, that uh, famine would be there, and, and what were they to do when that famine occurred? For seven years, they stored up at least 20% of all the produce and, you know, because of that wise decision, they were able to take care of the needs of the country and others around them. A great verse is in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. If you remember last week, I had mentioned that in every chapter of Proverbs, there is something to, it has something to do with, with uh, how we uh, use the possessions that God has given to us. But Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Tom Raynard is the author of this little book. It's an easy read. It's called The Money Challenge. says that our priorities are kind of mixed up when it comes to talking about possessions and money. He says our priorities should be this, that we tithe first, that we give generously. And then secondly, we should save. And then the third thing we should do, the third priority, is that we spend last. 
And uh, oftentimes we get number one and number three reversed. Oftentimes we're spending more than we have. We're living uh, a lifestyle that that we can't afford. We're spending 127% of what we bring in. And then we try to save, and we can't save because we have spent everything on the bills and on those luxuries that we have, that stuff that we have. And then if there's any left over, we might give a token of our love and appreciation to the Lord. We get our priorities mixed up. And then, otherwise, we spend everything and we have nothing to give and nothing to save. Nothing to save for those future things that's going to happen. When it comes right down to it, living on the 90, you know, I think the main issue that we have to think about is in one word, and that word is contentment. You know, that little word, contentment, I made the statement last week that we have to learn to live a life that is not just being content, but that it's a satisfied life with our surroundings. So often, you know, we look at the things that other people have, and, and we're not satisfied with the way that God has blessed us. Money often can cloud our perspective of the things that God has given to us. And it seems like that we're never satisfied. You know, we want more than we had yesterday. And we want more than we have today. Are we satisfied? The Apostle Paul, if you'll take your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 4, says that contentment is something that's learned. And this is a verse that I'm sure is probably highlighted in your Bible. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Paul says, I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. I know the experience of being in need and having more than enough. I have learned the secret of being content in any circumstance and every circumstance, whether full or hungry, or whether having plenty or being poor. I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me strength. And then verse 19 says that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Other passages of scripture is Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. It's a long passage of scripture, but you'll want to read it. At the end of it, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. The Lord knows what you need, and if you're seeking him with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, this is a promise that he's given to you and to me that if we will seek him first, that he will supply all of our needs. And then if you look in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6, and one thing that Jess Sizemore told me last week, he said, Dale, I love that you give a lot of scriptures. Folks, God's word is, has the answer to everything that we go through in life. You want to know what God says about the issues that you face? Go to, go to the word. 
But Hebrews chapter uh, 13, verses 5 and 6 says, Don't covet. Be content with what you have. And then lastly, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8 says, If we have food and if we have covering, with these we shall be content. I think the key question that we need to ask ourselves is what does it take to make you content? Is it having more than you had yesterday, more than you had today, or more than what you want for the future? The key question is what does it take to make you content? Psalms chapter 73, verse 25, David said, Besides you, O Lord, I desire nothing on earth. What more do we need besides the Lord? Contentment brings peace. Uh, Dave Ramsey, you know, he's, you know, kind of the, the, you know, he does a lot in the area of finances to help people. He says, what we are suffering with in the world in which we live is a disease called stuffitis. Stuffitis. It's the worship of stuff. This is my stuff. I worked hard for it. And we worship those things. And oftentimes, because we worship those things, it keeps us from experiencing the contentment that God has for us. I want you to remember these three simple statements. You may want to write them down. Give. Number one is to give. Give generously of your time and your talents and your abilities. Serve the Lord with everything that's within you. And tithe, give generously. I said it again, the T word. Get over it if, you're, if it upsets you because it's in God's word. You know, he talks a lot about tithing. He talks about, will a person rob me? You know, and their tithes and offerings. But we need to tithe, and we need to give generously. I had mentioned last week that there are over 20 uh, or 2,000 passages of Scripture that deal with money and possessions. I want to encourage you to take God's Word. Don't take my Word. Take God's Word and see whatever issue it is that you're facing, go to God's Word. You know, I did it easier for you. I thought about giving this out to everyone, but uh, Sharon said no. So I have to do what Sharon says. But there's 235 pages of scriptures that talk about everything from raising children to, to planning your estate. See what God's Word says about being a generous giver. You can go to crown.org, C-R-O-W-N.org, and you can get this document and um, all kinds of scriptures. It's just filled with those 2,000 scriptures. Ask God what he would have you to give. And then begin to see the blessings that God has for us. You know, it may not be in the form of financial blessings. You know, God has promised that he would bless us. But it may not be in the form that we want it to take place. You know, he may not give you more money, but he, he will give you that peace and that where you can live that life of contentment. If you remember last week, I had 
mention from the Old Testament what the word blessings meant. And blessings in the Old Testament, and I think it's true for us today, is that blessings mean that, that God's provision, God's protection, and God's presence. I want that for my life. I know that God wants the best for me, and he's going to provide the very best that he wants for Dale Moreland and his family. I want God's protection. If you read in Malachi chapter 3, it talks about how he will rebuke the devourer, how God will protect us if we're living a life that honors him. And then it talks about his presence in our lives. Folks, there is no other presence greater than the presence of God. When you're looking for peace and comfort, when you're struggling with those life issues, there is nothing like the presence of God. John chapter 14, verse 27 is one of my life verses. It talks about the peace of God. It's a peace that, that comes from no one else. It can't come from a pastor or a friend or a family member, but it's the peace of God. And then he tells us that, that as we experience this peace from him, that there's no need to be afraid. Not only are we to give of our time and our talents and our energy and of our resources, but we're to save wisely. And thirdly, we're to live appropriately within what God has given to us. Last week, I asked you a question, how much is enough? And I hope that you went home and you thought about that question. I'm just reminding you today to think about that again. How much is enough? What is it, what do you need to give you that contentment? You know, I think if you ask God, God will tell you. As you, got, if, as you have God's word open and you ask that question, God, how much is enough for my life? What do, what do I need to do, Lord, to experience that peace and that contentment? How much is enough? And God will show us. You know, in closing, since God owns it all, and we belong to Him, and everything that we have comes from Him. I think we need to use our gifts. I think we need to serve Him out of a genuine love for Him. You think about the love of God. You know, sometimes I think we just let that slip through our minds. But as you think about the love of God, I think it will cause us to do some things. You know, I want to encourage you not to serve God, not to give out of guilt. You know, that's not what God wants for us. He doesn't want you to teach those preschoolers out of guilt when Angela and Sarah come up here and they talk about their needs in the preschool and children's area. He doesn't want you to serve out of guilt. He doesn't want you to give because uh, Kyle and I ask and, and Grant ask that you do that because it comes from God's Word. He doesn't want us to do those things out of guilt, but He wants to do it out of love. The Bible tells us that God looks at our hearts. He wants us to love Him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with everything that's within us. You know, we have a God who showed us how to love. 
A verse that you learned as a little child, John 3, 16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God showed us how to love. Not only did he show us how to love, but he showed us how to give. Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Christ demonstrated his love for us. You know, as I was thinking about those two passages of Scripture, God gave. He gave his first. He gave his first son and only son. And he gave us the best, his son. He gave his son on the cross. And as I think about when he gave his son, he made the greatest sacrifice for you and I. And how did he do it? He did it joyfully. Folks, God is our greatest example. We're to give our first. We're to give our best. And we're to serve him joyfully and sacrificially. God is our example. I want to ask you this morning, where are you at in this road of life? Are you serving God Maybe God has put it on your heart that you need to sing in the choir. He hadn't put it on my heart that I need to sing there yet. Grant hadn't heard me sing yet. But I know what, you know, if God told me to sing in the choir, Grant would say, come on, even though I can't carry a tune. Because it's not about whether you can carry a tune or not. It's about worshiping God with all of your heart. So maybe God is telling you to sing in the choir or to play one of the instruments or to run one of the cameras or to work with the sound or to work with the children's ministry, the youth ministry, or the adult ministries. We're to serve the Lord and we're to honor Him, not out of guilt, but out of love. You think about what God has done for you this morning. You know, Lynn and I, we count our blessings. God has been so good to the Moreland family. He has blessed us more than we deserve. But you know, we have a God who loves us and a God who showed us how we're to give. And so I hope that you're serving God with all of your heart. I hope that when you give financially, that you're giving with a grateful heart out of love for what God has done for you. Folks, God is on the move in this church. God is doing some great and mighty things. And many people are stepping up and they're serving and they're, they're giving because they know that God wants to do great and mighty things in this place. So it's an exciting place. Uh, Dr. Steed, God is doing some great things here. And I know that with what you're going to be sharing with us today, it's just going to help us to be all that God has created us to be. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you, Lord, and 
Father, I know that this topic of money can be a difficult thing because, Lord, we often don't want to hear those things when it comes to our finances. And, and, um, but, Father, it's, it's something that we need to look at because, Father, I know that each of us in this room want to experience the joy and the peace and uh, living that contented life. And oftentimes, Father, we can't experience those things because we're, we're so gripped by, by just the, the lifestyles that we live. Father, living a lifestyle that's far above what, what you have given to us. So, Father, I pray that today that you would help each of us, Lord, to look at our lives, to see, Lord, why we give, why we serve. And, Father, may we give and may we serve out of a heart for you, Lord, because you loved us and you care for us. And, Father, you have been faithful to us. So, Father, help us do the same. Help us to give. Help us to serve with grateful hearts, a heart of love for you. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and um, you have never invited Jesus Christ into your life. The Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And um, you may be here this morning and, and you're faithfully attending the service, but maybe God has put on your heart in the past that, hey, I've never made that commitment to the Lord. I've never given him uh, ownership of my life, and I'm doing that today. Or maybe you're here this morning, and, and you know that this is the place that God wants you to serve and worship him. And I would encourage you to come and join with this body of believers this morning. Maybe you're here, and you're going through some storms of life. Maybe you're drowning in debt, and you don't see any way out, I'd encourage you to come and just lay it at the altar this morning. Come and talk to Craig and myself. And uh, let us pray for you. Let us get some resources into your hands that will help you to experience that full and meaningful life that God has for you. Would you please stand? Whatever God lays on your heart to do this morning, would you please do that?